My name is Phil Williams and I would like to welcome you to Audio Angling, the podcast site of fishingfilmsandfacts.co.uk. Back in the 1970s and through on into the 1980s, Aberystwyth, midway along the Cardigan Bay coast, was arguably the in-place to fish. Like a magnet, it attracted anglers from just about everywhere with its huge hauls of tope, thornback rays and huffs, three species which have long been a big draw on the Welsh offshore scene. Add to that, big numbers of black bream also using the offshore reefs as the northerly limit, plus poor beagle sharks all over the bay, and was it any wonder then that its reputation spread so far and wide? One of the key players in all of this then, as now, was Aldebaran skipper Dave Taylor, who like Charlie Bartlett at nearby Abu Dhabi still takes angling parties out, though in Dave's case not for very much longer, as he plans to retire at the end of the 2011 summer season, which is just a few weeks away. Who better then to deliver a definitive angling history of, and comment on, the evolution of the offshore fishing grounds than a man who has spent almost every fishable day out there exploring it for the past 30 odd years. So, Dave, welcome to Audio Angling. And can we start by looking in some detail at both the species mix and balance within your operating range, starting as far back as your memory goes through to present? Picking out any examples of where the fishing has changed, for better or for worse, with suggestions as to why perhaps this might be. That's going back now to the late 70s, I suppose. In terms of uh, the thornback ray, of course, there were uh, innumerable then in the early uh, late 70s, but a drastic decline from about, oh, when would it be? About late 90s I guess uh, showed a decline and as I was getting about 600 to 700 a year I suppose that's into the boat not necessarily kept and down to uh, the present moment zero, zero, 2011, zero, 2010 and down to single figures from about 2005 onwards I should think the has have remained about the same Mackerel have gone down quite a bit, especially in shore the last few years. Quite a noticeable drop in their numbers. The bream are holding their own, really. There used to be a very cyclical population, and you'd get some good years, and then you get some bad years in the 70s and early 80s. Um, but generally, since about 90. 596 because we had a good breeding year in 94 that they've um, they're um, holding their own nicely and it's not so cyclical now you know you get a, a steady run every year now which is good gurners have gone down a lot all three species the grey the red and the tub and most notably the tub I suppose we used to get quite a few reasonable size fish between a pound and three four pounds even a tub gurnard but they've shown a drastic decline over the last 20 years and i wouldn't mind betting that it's a lot of it's to do with the supply of gurnard as pot bait it's an absolute disgrace you see these frozen blocks of gurnard coming in and of course since sold uh, what's his name hugh whatever his name fernley whittington yeah yeah since he got going and um, I think Rick Steen as well promoting the, how well they taste it everybody wants it now but uh, you can't get so many now I don't know whether it's just in this bay that they've gone down or general I would I suspect it's general decline 
coddling there up and down. We, we don't get the classic run of cod that you do on, uh, say, um, the southeast coast, or used to perhaps. On the east and north coast, we don't get them much in the winter. More of a summer species, if anything. And they're very up and down. 2011 has been very good. But um, then you'll get years where you hardly see any. So Really, they've held their own, I suppose. Coalfish, likewise, up and down. Pollock, we never get many, much size apart from the wrecks. But there's plenty on the wrecks still. What else have I, haven't I thought? Oh, taupe, taupe, yes. I think, in fact, the taupe fishing probably uh, improved over the last um, ten years or so, um, inshore here especially. I suppose in the 90s there weren't quite so many inshore, but um, they've generally held their own, I suppose, and it's fortunate that they've, um, they've stopped the uh, commercial fishing for them now. Uh, you can only land two, I think, a day isn't it, for a, as a bycatch or whatever. Um, but uh, yes, they're, they're going quite well, really, especially up north of here, uh, Fabadevi area. Uh, it can still get um, uh, good numbers, especially in uh, May, June, July. They tend to scatter a bit more in late July, August, September, um, but when they scatter, they often come um, closer in, you know. Bass are doing quite well this year. I don't usually fish for bass very often, but um, they have been quite good this year, I must admit. It's trouble fishing for bass, as um, you've... Uh, you could, uh, well, we troll for them normally, and you can only fish so many rods when you're trolling, and um, uh, so it does limit them. As if people want to take turns in doing it, they're all right. But otherwise, if everybody wants, wants to fish, it's a complete tangle, really. What other species are there? Oh, monkfish. Yes, no, they show a drastic decline, like the skate have, I think I haven't seen one now for. Uh, 10, 12 years, maybe 15 years. Mind you, a part of that is due to the fact that I don't fish the clean ground so much now because of the lack of thornbacks. Um, that applies also to thornbacks to some extent. You know. But saying that, we used to get them on the, on the rough ground um, as well in the past. Don't get any now at all on the, on the rough ground, no thornbacks at all. Full stop, really. It's ironic that you highlight such a complete decline in thornback numbers here, when further up the coast are starting to make something of a comeback. In Carnarvon Bay, for example, just the other side of the Peninsula, Andy Owen, who skippers Morgan James too, sometimes has to move when fishing the clean ground to get away from the things, and the River Mersey, a little further to the north, over the back end months, is quite literally stuffed with rays. I also hear encouraging reports from other parts of the country, such as from the Wash round into the Thames estuary, but not for some reason Cardigan Bay, which is very odd, particularly as Aberystwyth was such an excellent ray venue. So when they went into decline, was it a gradual disappearance, or was it more sudden than that? I suppose in terms of fish species, it's quite sudden really, but that, that will go over um, ten years, I guess, which is quite sudden for a species I suppose. Lots of speculations as to why it's happened. Um, the tangle netting, inshore tangle netting. I mean there wasn't all that much done but they had vast catches sometimes, tons. 
There's the theory about spiders, spider crab, the big invasion of those recently. They're eating the eggs, or could be that. A lot of beamers working offshore. Gradually they've been eating into the numbers. So we haven't got really any inshore trawling going on at all for them. You know, it's um, just as a bycatch more than anything uh, at the moment. There's no tangle netting because there's no skate to catch really. No thornback rays anyway. And when you say no thornback rays, it is literally that. None at all. Well, I haven't had any for the last two years. Charlie has, but I think it's only... Oh, I can't quite remember. A maximum of 10 or 15, if that. And he fishes a lot more clean ground than I do, for taupe. So it's not... No, it's not zero. They're still getting them in the... Um, the spider nets, they use for, uh, tangle nets for spider crabs, but um, they do get them there, not many. So it's not absolutely zero, no. What effect then, if at all, has the evolving species mix had on customer numbers? I suppose, I, although I don't do it now, the winter and spring and autumn probably will affect numbers, but I don't do that now, I just fish really from May till uh, September. So I'm um, overwhelmed with bookings, really. I to turn people away. You know, could run two or three boats at summer weekends. But people ask me about them, but they seem to be quite happy with the taupe and um, bream, really. So the thornback ray most certainly belongs in the losers category. But have there been any winners, too, in terms of increase to help offset their absence? Increased, I suppose, bream have increased from... As I said before, not being bad years to good years all the time. They've been fairly good years consistently. So I think that's a success story. The taupe are probably holding their own. Uh, Maybe over the last five to ten years they may have increased in shore, but um, compared to the late 70s, 80s, I suppose it was like that then. But There was a bit of a decline in the... um, 90s I guess uh, inshore but uh, no there this year hasn't been very good down off Aberystwyth but I haven't been going out all that far uh, more concentrating on the bream this year I think the reason I haven't caught some is probably I haven't been out to the outer marks you know but um, they're still around yes to help us understand the species distribution a little better it might be no bad idea for us also to look at seabed geography within your operating area and what that means in terms of presence or absence within the mix of fish you have. Right here you've got a very shallow bay basically um, to get an average depth of over 100 feet you've got to go about 20 miles out from Abba. The vast majority of the ground is sand and um, small stones, mud and then you get these areas where the boulders and cobbles are which have been dropped by the, um, the glaciers and the ice age. <clears throat> That's really um, the basic ground form and um, a lot of the species you'll get on these uh, moraines as um, the bream and all the cod family hang around there, uh, the wrasse. And that's where I do the majority of my fishing, really. Off, off those rough patches of ground, um, a bit restricted. Uh, you will get some gurnard, hass, taupe, uh, dogs. But the majority of the species are on these shallower 
boulders, boulders and cobbles. And the bream uh, are all on these um, these cobble areas and boulders. You don't get them on the clean ground at all. And um, I think the taupe really are attracted by the different species, and uh, you get them a lot. The majority of the taupe on the rougher grounds as well. I take it this is the area known as the causeway. Well, it's the old name, a causeway. Uh, quite shallow and runs out in a straight line like a like a road. When you see it from the shore at low water, it looks like almost like a road going out from the um, the shore at Wathlog, which is just north of uh, Abba. So it was called the causeway. And of course, as the um, legend of the the northerly of the three uh, reefs, which is San Badrig, was supposed to be where. Uh, St. Patrick walk across to Ireland um, or the other way around I can't remember what it was but uh, of course in the ice age it would have been dry for uh, I don't know 20, 30, 40 miles from, from Abba dry land What measure of surface area and length does a causeway span and typically what are the water depths covering it? Hmm, the causeway our causeway runs out to uh, really about six, six and a half miles. Uh, average depth low water, well, there are spots it goes down to five feet on the big springs, but you generally tell a low water, I suppose, about 11, 12 feet, and it was a hazard to shipping when the, the um, uh, deep-drafted vessels used to uh, Ply their trade. A lot were wrecked on the, the three reef systems out in the bay here. There's many uh, wrecked on there, especially when the tides were low. Of course, they're all uh, got a, a boys on the end of them now, and of course, all the navigation systems, so there's no, no worries now. Are these wrecks fishable? Uh, no, uh, the ones that are on are, that have been um, come to grief on the cause, and no, they've been smashed to pieces because it's so shallow there, really. They're mostly all wooden jobs. There's only the ones that are, you know, the metal jobs first, first, second world war. Out further out beyond uh, 20, 25 miles that are still there. And uh, some of the, uh, there's a couple of wrecks from the missile testing range at Aberporth that uh, have been sunk through repeated hits. And uh, uh, they went down in the 70s and 80s. Very quickly populated as well. I remember I fished one about six months after it had sunk and there was wreckfish on there then, a big pouting, you know, um, two, three pound jobs that you'll never get anywhere else in Cardigan Bay, only on wrecks. So it just shows you how quick they populate things. What effect does tie size and seasonality have on the fishing in Cardigan Bay? I suppose generally, because it's a fairly slack area of tide, usually when the tide is running it's good. Um, it's only on the big springs sometimes it seems to go off sometimes, especially uh, during a, a sunny afternoon when the tide eases, but generally fishing is better when the tide is running. On the biggest of tides, I suppose you might need to use about 8 ounces, maybe 10, but on the average tide uh, you're only talking between, um, I don't know, 4 to 8 ounces, even less on the neeps. So uh, seasonality, oh that's a big thing in, in Carlion Bay, really. Over the winter months, say from end of October to middle of May, you're only talking a few species, husk dogs, 
dabs, whiting, thornback, well they used to, occasional gurnard you'd get. I don't fish the winter now so I, I don't really know what it's like now but it, it, the number of species um, dramatically increases during May. As I say the other day I had um, 19 species on the boat with one club so it's quite dramatic through May the build up of species on the reef. You know, I, I fish the reefs in um, May and November, and I'll say you'll only get those four or five species. It's, it's quite dramatic um, the way it populated. And of course, being situated on a west facing coast with a prevailing west to southwesterly airflow will also have its part to play in both helping and at times, I suppose, hampering fish distribution, particularly in the shallower water, not to mention your ability to leave harbour to go out there looking for them. Hmm, yes, oh yeah, I mean, uh, with us facing that, it's a, a pain in the backside quite often as regards cancellations, you know, I'm, last few years I've been, uh, I guess, average 50% cancellations uh, due to the uh, onshore winds and the strength of them. It does colour up the water inshore, especially up here at Aber and north of the bay, and it's, um, it does affect... The mackerel fishing, and occasionally the bream fishing as well. You've got all the rivers emptying into the bay as well. I know this year there was a lot of fresh water coming in, but um, the, the bream fishing up at Abu Dhabi, so Charlie tells me, it was very good uh, during that period. So. Would stormy weather, for example, play havoc with the shallower parts of the reef? Um, yes, I think it does, yeah. We do get a hell of a lot of weeds stirred up. I don't know whether it actually alters the distribution of the stones and boulders. I suppose it, it must do on heavy storms. But uh, yes, I mean, I've known periods uh, where there wasn't much around at all in the summer after an unusual bout of wind. Yes, it was quite noticeable, but it soon picks up again, you know, within a few days if we get reasonable weather after that. Yeah. What was a typical catch light back in those early years, and how might that compare to present times? Oh, well, there was a lot more thornback. That's the most noticeable thing, the thornback rays, of course. Say we're 600 to 700 a year. I don't know what that would be in a day. Um, you know, I, th I think the biggest day we had was about 70 thornbacks in one day. But I suppose it's difficult. It would, uh, I think, in customer mind back, you might get between 5 and 20, 25 on a kind of average day thornbacks. And then you probably go on to the um, rough ground then for the bream. But these days now, over the last 10 years or so, I haven't bothered with the uh, clean ground at all because there's so few thornbacks there. It's just a waste of time, really. So I now fish exclusively the uh, rougher ground, the boulders and cobbles, unless somebody asks me specifically to try for some thornbacks. But the times I have done it, had none. And Charlie up north, who fishes more of a clean ground, especially the beginning of the season, um, he only gets a few thornbacks up there as well. And then in the 70s and 80s, you get quite a lot of gurnard, the three types. Some nice tub gurnard, especially on the bream grounds. Uh, uh, quite regularly get uh, one pound to two pound fish best they ever had was five and a half pounds which is a huge thing you could put your fist in its gob <laughs> and uh, that's changed a lot uh, monkfish they've well i haven't seen one 15 years um fish very shallow water only about 15 feet 
sandy, muddy bottoms. We had seven on one day, I went to £44. That's changed completely, never fished that area. Uh, um, mackerel were pretty good anywhere you stopped, uh, but now that has changed, yes. Um, we're more difficult to find now, especially inshore. What else is there? Has, yes, uh, I mean, compared to 70s, um, I suppose you'd probably get the same, maybe a little less of the Hass um, out there now on the, on the deeper marks. Oh yes, of course, the poor beetles, etc. They were there in the in the summer, but not now. Yes, I mean, you'd get perhaps more of a split between a clean ground and a soft ground, and uh, make more of a complete day, perhaps fishing-wise, when you've got the two types of ground. So that does differ from when I was fishing uh, in the 70s and 80s. To sum the fishing comparison up, then, is it now better? worse or just different? I suppose slightly worse in terms of not bad in the thornbacks and monkfish but it's not too bad I suppose really the bream is steady and so um, yeah I would say slightly worse but not perhaps as bad as other parts of the country where they haven't got these um, shallow reef system which commercial people can't fish so Yes, yeah, slightly worse, but not that bad, I suppose, really. On the subject of black bream, that was the species which told me I had to visit Aberystwyth in the first place, as here was about as far north as the species ventured back then, which, surprisingly, they did in huge numbers, and of better average size too, it has to be said, than today. Then, as you rounded the Lynn Peninsula, nothing. But that isn't to say that they weren't there. Perhaps it was just the case that no one was fishing for them. Now, of course, they've really expanded the territory, with good numbers being predictably taken on a regular basis as far north as Loose Bay in Scotland. Why do you think, back in the 1970s and 80s, they were so abundant of Aberyst with an Aberdovey, then so abruptly cut themselves off any further north in availability terms? Don't know, really, whether the average sea temperature has gone up, whether that's helped them. There have been some very good breeding years and 94 especially they went mad whether that was a big help to them so spread out I don't really know the only thing I think of is global warming and these cyclical things that they used to do uh, which seem to be even out now but um, that's perhaps my guess 94 they're everywhere little tiny things we had in the end of 94 and 95 and 96 were populated areas that I hadn't seen them on before yes Especially further out, uh, where are we, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 miles, eight, uh, even um, flat hard ground, you, you got them after that um, 94 uh, breeding year. I even had some once, in, I think it was the late 90s, where uh, I, I had, um, was that middle 90s, where I had turbot, I had a couple of turbot and a couple of bream from the same area, so... It just shows you how they've expanded. I don't know, yes. Put it down to population increases and um, global warming, perhaps. Bream, obviously, and probably thankfully, are, despite their relatively small size, still very popular fish with anglers. So, can we talk a little bit now about the tactics for them, which, with your years of experience of watching anglers, is something you should be very well placed to talk about with great authority. For example, here today, one angler has probably caught as many bream as everybody else on board put together, 
and not simply because he's fishing over the stern, because a couple of the others are also fishing over the stern area too. From what I've seen, it's the size of the hooks and baits that's important, and in that respect, his size 8 to 10 hooks with the tiniest sliver of squid on them is allowing the fish to take it down in one go, rather than having to work on a bait and gnaw it down to a takeable size. Hmm, yes, I know. Generally, of course, it's the people furthest down tide that on average do catch the most. But, yes, I mean, they, they seem to like squid very much. And, um, but, I don't know, sometimes... Um, to get the bigger bream out, uh, often the big mackerel baits uh, on biggish hooks, really, for bream, two O's and things like that. You get some decent fish, but um, yes, uh, it's often the case of uh, somebody using some certain type of tackle seem to get um, perhaps 50% of the fish on the boat, and I can't explain it really at all. Well, today it looks like it's a sabiki rig. Perhaps what they're generally feeding on looks a bit like what um, he's um, presenting on the seabed, yeah. Um, I notice that quite often. Also back then, I was a bit of a species hunter, always wanting to add more to my successes list. And again, I looked to yourself and Aberystwyth to provide me with the goods. In this case, a greater weaver. This area has long been renowned not only for its numbers of these fish, but also the size. So what's the situation with them today? Yeah, we have a situation... They may have gone down slightly, I suppose, um, size-wise and numbers, but on, only a bit. You get them coming in from May through to the end of September, and they go mad occasionally around the breeding time, which was... I think it was around mid-June, mid-June to the end of June. Quite often they spread everywhere, all over the rough ground, and you'd be picking them up on feathers three at a time. But generally speaking, they prefer the cleaner ground. Ah, uh, yes, yes, you tend to get more over the clean ground, um, and often coming up with a mackerel, so you've got to be very careful all the time. Size-wise, uh, what would the average be about? Oh, I don't know, 10 ounces perhaps average. The best I've had on the boats, I think it's about one and three quarters, something like that. But of course, I think it's still a joint record with Brighton, two and a quarter pounds, isn't it? That one, the joint record, half of that came from Aber and the other one came from Brighton, I think. But uh, yes, it's very unusual in Cardigan Bay for the week. No idea why they choose to hang around here at all. Most odd. Have you had much in the way of mishandling incidents on board? No, I've only been I've been stung lightly once. Rather um, unpleasant, felt a bit nauseous, but it was over in shortish time. Generally, no, I've got a little um, glossy thing which shows the weaver, so I, I show it around the novices, show them a picture of it, and uh, generally uh, everything comes up is a is a weaver. <laughs> If it doesn't look like a mackerel, they shout, oh, weaver, and it's most often another gurnard, more than weavers. Yeah, no no handling problem, you just use um, a disgorger, you know, the hook disgorger, and turn the hook upside down and shake it on the end of the disgorger, I hasten to add, and um, keep your hands well away. The majority will uh, drop off. Some people like them for eating, of course, decent ones, and uh, so I knock those on the head and chop the, the fins, the um, nasty bits, the gill cover and um, the uh, dorsal, of course, off, and uh, it's a reasonably tasty meal.
So, not any handling problems normally. Now, one of the fish we hadn't dealt with so far, and deliberately so because arguably I wanted to save the best until the last, is the poor beagle shark. Throughout the 1980s, Cardigan Bay had a well-deserved reputation for producing these fish, but not anymore. So what has happened there? Yes, I mean, uh, in the 80s and I think early 90s, um, yes, you'd get the porgies in um, kind of uh, June, July, August, uh, I think even into September. I mean, I didn't make much of it, the porgies didn't go very often, but uh, I used to listen to all the other boats. and. Um, Yes, they were in reasonable numbers, and you, I, I'd see them on the surface um, every year. In fact, um, I had one once at the side of the boat. Uh, it came right up. There's a guy with a bream pattern nostril, and he had the lead hanging in the water. And um, the bream, the porgy came up and actually grabbed the lead. It was only about a foot below the surface. Grabbed the lead and nearly pulled the rod over and swam away with the lead. <laughs> So, uh, but yes, you see them on the surface. Um, the decline, I think, was in the um, in the 90s again. I think I remember. It seemed to be a fairly sharp decline over uh, about five years. To the state now, where I don't think any of the charter boats get them within the normal range uh, out of Aber and Aberdovey or Barmouth. I know some of the wrecking boats go out 50 miles, they do get occasional ones. Of course, they're still in reasonable numbers down at Pembrokeshire, 50 miles off Pembrokeshire. The reason I don't know, probably might have been something to do with the overfishing down in Cornwall, reducing the numbers with the long lines, but there still seem to be a fish down there off uh, Cornwall, so I don't know. Um, I mean, there's enough mackerel up here, I would have thought, to bring them in. So I don't really know what the answer to the decline in the bay is. What was it like in terms of numbers and size range in its heyday? A lot of anglers, even today, will have little, if any, first-hand experience of that aspect of Cardigan Bay's history. As I say, I didn't really fish too much for them on my boats, but I know, if I remember... About, um, you might get three, four a day on some of the boats, and it was reasonable. And the size range, what I remember, I think it was about 60 up to about 120, 130. And I think when the boats held the Welsh record for a short time, it was larger than that. That was the kind of size range, I think. The ones I had were... Um, on the boat were around about um, between 80 and 110, I think. But that wasn't many. So how far and wide would they spread within the bay back then? And was there ever any preference noted for the type of ground to be fishing over? It seemed to be just anywhere, really. Um, I know I heard of private boats catching them within two miles of Aberystwyth. That would be in the, um, in the 80s, I think. Yes, I remember... One guy had one on for about 15 minutes and it was just um, skate gear he had on. Yes, it was on the gap in the causeway, a friend of mine, uh, not a very big boat, and he had this thing on and they saw it uh, alongside the boat, but um, he couldn't get it, it was only a nylon trace, etc. But uh, I still got the rod here somewhere, or the remains of it. <laughs>
Um, so yes, you'd get them uh, um, within two miles. But I think generally speaking, they were more numerous out beyond about six, seven miles, really, yeah, where, where there were more mackerel, from my memory, anyway. Do you have any idea when the last one was caught? Oh, God, I can't remember. Uh, I'll say 2011 now, isn't it? 15 years ago, at a guess, probably. I think that was the last one I can remember. Yeah, so about then. Poor beagles, along with a few other endangered cartilaginous species, now have some measure of protection afforded to them, which should hopefully see the numbers start to rise again, albeit very slowly. If, or when that does ever happen, do you think that what attracted them to Cardigan Bay all those years ago might tempt them back again? I would hope so, as long as the mackerel numbers hold up, and I suppose they, they do fit, uh, eat other species as well. But um, generally a bit depressed about the whole fishing scene, really. Yeah, I, I don't know, really. Uh, perhaps they might, um, but... I think generally fish stocks are going down, so I don't really know. Um, it'd be nice to see them. From my experience of fishing for poor beagles along the North Cornish coast, there's always tended to be something tangible in the way of identifiable features, such as a reef or a headland attracting them. But apparently that was not the case here in Cardigan Bay. But still they came. Have you any thoughts on what it might have been that was so appealing to them? No idea at all. No idea at all, no. No, no, it just uh, puzzled me. No, we've got no deep water close in shore like you'd get off um, uh, northern Scotland and uh, northern um, Devon and North Cornwall there. Uh, those are classic poor beagle areas. No, I mean, uh, there's no features. There's, of course, the three reef systems, but they they didn't seem to attract more um, porgies than than elsewhere, if I remember correctly. No, I've no idea at all. No. But it would be nice to see them back. Oh yes, yes, it would be great. Yes, and hopefully re uh, that they'd all be returned, you know, like, like uh, as goes with the taupe these days now. Yeah. Over that same period of the chartering career, as well as species variety and mix changing, angling attitudes, tackle and tactics have also changed dramatically and on all counts probably bear little resemblance to how things used to be. Oh yes, yes, of course you get um, much lighter gear being used now, reels of course much smaller and uh, less cumbersome, use of um, heavy nylons against wire for the, um, the taupe. Yes, it's all to, all to the good I think. Uptiding, uh, that seemed to come in, uh, I don't know when it was, in the late 80s, 90s. Especially from people from South Wales have come up with the uptiders, but um, uh, with a, due to the lack of tide up here, it's, uh, you know, it, I don't know whether it helps that much. Um, it, it does help when it's taupe fishing if you've got the bait scattered all over the place in terms of tangles, that's the only thing I can think of. Um, yes, I mean, um, the general awareness of conservation, of course, amongst anglers is much better these days. Much, much better. So um, a lot of the clubs would um, do whatever I told them, really. If, it, if I said a, a minimum side limit of £2 on bream, they'd uh, probably put them all back, you know.
<laughs> They're very good like that, generally. What are your personal thoughts on the braid versus monofilament lines debate? Oh, God, yes. Braid and ruddy awful stuff. It, there's, there's no use at all for it in Cardigan Bay, anyway. There's no strong tide, so there's... It's pointless, and the tangles are horrendous, especially when you're tote fishing. No, I haven't actually made a ban, but I know Charlie Abadavi again. He, he won't have people fishing braid on the boat uh, because of the tangle problems when you're tote fishing. No, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd back him up on that, really. Yes. No need for it. I absolutely agree. Unless I need to use braid, it's mono every time. The amount of times I've cast out and had the line part, or had fish part the line which should never have broken free, just became too much. In many cases, it was the result of unseen chafing due to debris collecting at the trace hook. The problem is that newcomers seem to see braid as the automatic choice these days, whereas that choice used to always be mono. And it's the newcomers who need the mono most, as it's they who are more at risk of losing fish on braid through inexperience, which the stretching nylon previously helped to cover up. Oh yes, yes, I totally agree with that. Yes, it's, uh, it's just not practical. Maybe for wreck fishing uh, right out in the deep water off Arbor, because there's very strong tides out there, but certainly not anything within... 30 miles of the shore and Cardigan Bay now. And what about the changes in anglers' attitudes towards conservation? Many now seem to recognise that getting the most out of individual fish by enjoying the fight, then putting them back, beats getting the most they can get out of the sea and home into the freezer. Yes, oh certainly, yes, yes, it has, uh, it's quite marked that, yes. Especially the, the, the angling clubs as such, yes, they're much more educated and... Uh, as I say, they'll go along with anything I say, really, to, to some extent. <laughs> no, I always used to put a bag limit on um, on thornbacks um, in the past when we used to get them, and, and size limit, of course, which uh, what there was no minimum size limit for thornbacks. And they generally agree with that, nearly all of them, and um, are much more conservation-minded now, yes. Um, a lot of them will ask me, oh, this is a female bream when they're in uh, breeding plumage in uh, May and June. Um, you can tell the males and the females, and uh, they'll put all the females back without hesitation. Yeah, they're good like that now. Putting conservation onto a more formal footing, we repeatedly hear rumours these days of American-style legislation in the pipeline, which includes bag limits, slot limits, closed seasons and even species bans, some of which is already here, such as no longer being able to bring total and common skate ashore for weighing to make a record claim. Is that something that angling needs, and if it does come onto the statute books, will it take much in the way of policing? I think it needs to come in, yeah, and I'd back it wholeheartedly. Yes, you've got to have uh, control like that. It, it works, from what I gather, it works well in America. So I would follow their, um, their example easily, yes, certainly. And shake the, um, the various sea fishing committees that um, have the minimum sizes, give them a shake, shake up and tell them to put their minimum sizes up, especially for the bream around there. It's ridiculous, um, nine-inch overall minimum size, absolutely ridiculous. And for years they, they didn't have a minimum size on thornback rays at all. In fact, I don't know whether they do now. But uh, yes, I'd back anything like that. Um, closed seasons, closed areas. I'm, I'm fully in, in flavour of that. <laughs> you don't see it as an unwelcomed infringement on our freedom to fish? No, no, I don't at all.
a lot of the skippers wouldn't agree with me. But, uh, I think it's necessary. Two of the examples are quoted, the toe from the common skate, still appear in the national record list. Yet as the law now stands, it would be illegal to comply with the rules regarding weighing either on firm ground, which inevitably has led to the partial situation where both records have since been bettered, but cannot be claimed. Though in fairness, the anglers concerned would very likely not have brought these fish ashore anyway. So, I have a two-part question for you this time. Are rock court records credible or even necessary? And should some other way of expressing the size of a fish be found which doesn't rely on either firm ground weighing or even a set of scales at all? Difficult one. I mean, if you can get a, a kind of a, a formula for these fish... Um Tope, I know, deal with tope and they're notoriously difficult to uh, weigh or even measure. They're not easy to measure the girth and the uh, length when they're thrashing around. Uh, very difficult one. I, I don't really know. I haven't thought about it all that much. Um, I suppose if you worked hard at it and had some kind of a formula for measuring them, if one could, <laughs> you could certainly measure the, the skate species. There'd be no problem. It's things like... Um, the sharks and, and uh, the small sharks like the taupe, I suppose you'd have a problem with. Yes, I'm all flavour of putting things back. Uh, I don't know generally about the records. Um. One thing almost everyone seems to agree on is that weighing fish for a record claim at sea is not accurate enough. No, mo most of the time it's not. It's only on very flat days you can get a, a reasonable reading. I don't know what emphasis is put on it these days. Perhaps there's less emphasis put on it than there was in the past on uh, an actual record fish. But weight is only one way of expressing a fish's size. Surely, equally as valid would be a point system based on length times maximum girth, which, like weight, would go up with an increase in either dimension. That could much more easily be done on the deck of a boat, along with a few photographs, after which the fish could be released. Might that perhaps be a solution? Yes, yes, if you could set something up like that, yes. Yes, I agree with that. That's nice. Nice way of doing it. And might perhaps legally enforce bag limits and bans help charter skippers in their conservation efforts, as it isn't they who are telling the anglers what they can and can't do. All they're doing is simply reminding people of the law. Oh yes, yes, all in, all in favour of that, certainly. Yes, it should have been done many, many, many years ago, especially in the case of the Thornback Rays. With 30-odd years observing angling trends, both locally as well as nationally, how do you see the future for Cardigan Bay specifically, and sea angling generally? I suppose as long as the um, commercial people don't find some way of decimating the bream stocks in the bay, I think it's got a good future, because with the taupe being um, under legislation now, uh, that's great. So generally, um, I suppose in a way it's a reasonable prospect. Huss, well, I know some of the potting boats do take huss, but whether that would have any effect on uh, overall numbers, I don't know really, but I think they'll probably hold out, and the dogs, of course. And the, uh, the general assorted smaller species that hang around on the, on the bream-type grounds, I sh shouldn't think. Uh, they'd be um, commercially exploited at all so I suppose in a way for those species it's reasonable uh, as a venue, Arba mackerel fishing however um, well I've 
gave up for a while the ma uh, mackerel trips um, close inshore because they just weren't there. So um, that's a bit worrying in terms of mackerel fishing. Uh, I don't know whether that occurs um, around the around Wales and England in general. Um, whether that's the case, a bit worrying. But I suppose Aber, as long as the bream are in reasonable numbers, um, would uh, yeah, I think it would hold its own really. Now, looking back over your career at Aber, what have been the highlights such as your best memories? And for balance, at the other end of the spectrum, some of your worst memories too. <laughs> um, God, I can't remember the worst memory. Well, there was a day this year, in fact, it was fantastic. We went up um, what we call the pinnacles and um, you just couldn't go wrong. As soon as we dropped down, there was bream on, they were coming up two or three at a time on the feathers and uh, the taupe were there uh, virtually all day you know you'd um, you'd get taupe and bream coming in at the same time it's uh, quite remarkable and uh, it's days like that I think over the years have been really good where you get the taupe and bream together and the other species it's heartening actually to hear that one of your highlight days is a recent trip as opposed to something from the dim and distant past yes yes what about notable individual fish? Well, we had a bream once of, I think it was almost four pounds. That could have been one of the uh, best fish I've seen, I think, really. That was really good that day. We had an 18 pound hus one day, 18 pound two ounce hus, which was terrific. Oh yeah, perhaps one of the days we had, uh, I remember 69 taupe um, with a, a club from um, Pembroke area. He was a tackle dealer, uh, Bill Bill Brunton, I think his name was. But um, yeah, they went mad. Are they sixty nine? Is that really mad? Um, one of the guys on the opposite side. I was on one side. He was on the other side, and he just he had to give up. He was just bringing tope in one side. I was bringing him in the other side, and um, I'm looking at <laughs> absolutely mad. You know, you get some three or four on at the same time. That was quite a highlight. That and the worst memory. Oh, there was one day some youngster picked up my rod, which I was fishing with, and didn't ask me about it, started fishing, I didn't realise he'd had it, and um, managed to drop it overboard, or it was pulled overboard, and he just didn't bother to tell me, and anything like that, and his father didn't say anything, that really annoyed me intensely. <laughs> and there was a horrible day, I was, um, we were beam on, uh, up on the pinnacles again, uh, uh, about 12 miles northwest of Arba. It was absolutely horrible, th uh, raining and beam on all day. Uh, half the boat was sick, it was horrible. So we came in a little earlier, got into the harbour, and then I, I fell in <laughs> between the boat and the uh, quayside. Luckily, I had uh, plenty to grab on, but that, that just about topped it. Uh, I'd have had enough, certainly, by the end of that day. <laughs> but other than that, it's been a good experience and a great way to make a living. Yes, I mean, the, the good days have been fantastic. And the bad days you just have to put up with, really. I suppose it is a very privileged lifestyle, but in the, in the winter when you're maintaining the thing, it's uh, pretty grim. But, um, yes, I mean, the good days... Uh, uh, when, you, when you're doing things like that in the winter, the good days you always remember, and um, that's what's kept me going, I suppose, really. And all the marvellous views out at sea, uh, all the different birds and 
different weather I seen out here. Been uh, yes, privilege I suppose. <laughs> so all things considered, no regrets. No, so there's none really. Yes, and no potential reconsideration of your pending retirement either. You feel it's the right time to go. Yes, yes. I want to do other things now. I do a bit more walking and um, tidy the house, which is a tip, and tidy my garden, which is a tip. Yeah, when in the summer, I just yeah, I get so many phone calls and God knows what cancellations and paperwork. I just don't have time to do anything else virtually. Yeah, so um, yes, I want a bit more time to myself. I might still go um, out uh, privately, and I might operate my friend's charter boat occasionally in the summer, just for a few trips, but I want more time to myself. Rather like being a grandparent, I suppose. Okay, occasionally, but in the knowledge that you can always hand them back when you've had enough. Hmm, yes. Yeah.